Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. Be the heroine of your life, not the victim. We wanted to open this week's episode with one of our favorite quotes you've seen us share on Instagram. It's also the perfect introduction for Sydney Hatch, who is our guest on this episode. Sydney is a member of the LDS faith, and after going through a divorce, she devoted herself to helping her community embrace social change to allow the community to be there for individuals going through divorce. We haven't really talked about religion before on the podcast, and we know it's a big part of many of your lives. Sometimes your communities have let you down as you've gone through a divorce, and Sydney is an amazing example of how communities can embrace individuals going through divorce. Regardless of your own beliefs about faith and organized religion, we think you're going to love what she has to say. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so join our Facebook group, Worthy Women and Divorce, to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back with Sydney. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more. I'm very excited to welcome my new friend Sydney Hatch onto the podcast today. Sydney wrote a book called When Eternity is Not Forever, a devotional for the LDS divorced. And she is also the creative force behind all of the When Eternity is Not Forever social channels. You might recognize her from Instagram or Twitter. She describes herself as a polka dot wearing blogger, photographer, and author, and we're so excited to have her on because her topic is so interesting and she is so marvelous. So welcome, Sydney. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm happy to be on. (laughs) So I know I gave a little bit of an introduction to who you are and how we connected, but maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners who might not be familiar with you. Great. Yeah. Um, my name's Sydney <laughs> and I, I was born in Utah, but I was actually raised in the Washington DC, Northern Virginia area. And I kind of connected with worthy, um, via as my social media channels. And I just, I love the messaging that you guys put out and the services that you give to people within the divorce yeah. community. And, uh, you know, I've been divorced for almost four and a half, five years now, and I'm actually recently engaged. I Congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm very excited. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I now currently uh, moved back to Utah to be close to my fiance. We're getting married in November, and we're quite excited. And so life's pretty much a dream right now. <laughs> Well, we're so happy for you. I'm I'm very, very excited about this episode because we have had a lot of different people on who have talked about spirituality and faith in general, but we haven't really talked about religious communities. And we know from our audience that a lot of them really turn to their faith in these times Mm -hmm. and that religious communities can really 
be there to make it easier for you. And and sometimes they can also make it harder for you. And I think this is a a really exciting episode. And I have been so looking forward to having you on because I think you're the perfect person to talk to about all of this. (laughs) So you you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which we will from here on out refer to as LDS Faith. Is that right? Yes. I mean, our our technical name is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but we're also probably known as Mormons or LDS members. Great. So it's a mouthful for me, so we'll stick with LDS. (laughs) We'll we'll shorthand it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But of course, we want to move through the episode with respect for your church right. and and for all faiths. So LDS it's that's the way that we'll we'll move forward talking about it. So I know it's a it's a task, but I'm hoping you can give just kind of a brief introduction to the church of LDS and LDS faith for our mm-hmm. listeners who are maybe not so familiar with it. Right. Um, So members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are often called Mormons, which I think most people would probably recognize with the Broadway show, you know. (laughs) But we believe first and foremost that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Redeemer, just like a lot of other Christian faiths. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also believe that through Jesus Christ, all humankind may enjoy eternal life with their families in heaven, we've lived with God uh, as spirits before we were born. According to like His plan of happiness, we came here to earth to receive physical bodies in order to learn and grow. And so this life and experience is for us to live to our fullest potential. And at the end of the day, when our, our days are ending, we hope that we've lived our lives in a way to meet the challenges and to help others follow Christ and to also know Him throughout this life. And so I think a lot of the times people think that we worship Joseph Smith and other things, but we are followers of Christ. And it's very apparent in how we are um, wanting to be referred to, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think the piece about, you know, coming into your bodies to let your soul live in different ways. I mean, it's really beautiful and and I'm really excited to talk more about about what it's like living in the church. So one thing that I think it's important for us to start with is to kind of talk about the importance of the family unit. And maybe you can tell us what it was like for you growing up. What were you taught about families and dating and marriage? Right. Yeah. You know, I, as I get older, I realized how blessed I am to have the family and the community that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. The LDS faith, we are centralized in the family. We believe in building meaningful relationships with the people in our families and in our communities. Um, We really focus on building relationships and intimate ones at that because we want people to understand where we're coming from. And we also want to understand people so we know how to serve and to love them the best way that we know how. And so a document that our church has put out that we it's kind of a cornerstone of one of our beliefs is the family of proclamation to the world. And in that, it talks about how the family is central to God's plan for the eternal destiny of his children, and that all human beings, both male and female, are created in the image of God, and that each of them is kind of a beloved son and daughter of heavenly parents and God. and. Mm-hmm. Um, Each has like a divine nature and destiny. And so we are each given gifts. We are each given a potential that we need to live up to in this life. I think we can all look at ourselves and others around us 
you know, you're a wonderful a speaker and you're, you're, you have the gift of gab and you're able to use that in a positive way. And that's who we are as humans mm-hmm. in our faith. And so as that kind of correlates to the family, you know, we want to help build each other up and we are there to create a kind of an incubator for success and for healthy growing and love. And so um, with that, marriage is kind of key to living up to your fullest potential as a human being. And so marriage is an important part of our faith as well, because it helps you move to the next level of building a family together in a, mm-hmm. in a family unit. And so when a couple is married in the temple, they not only satisfy the laws of the land as to getting a civil marriage, but they also are sealed for time and all of eternity. Um, because a lot of faiths, they, you know, kind of make statements of till death do us part. Mm-hmm. And in our faith, we believe that the family and your relationships that you build here in this life are eternal. And they go beyond the grave. And so that's why we really centralize on the family and building relationships with those around us, because at the end of the day, those are the only things that we can take into this next life beyond our knowledge and the things that we personally develop in this life. I mean, it's blowing me away because, I mean, you haven't said anything that's so different from how I think most people treat family and marriage, right? <laughs> but, oh, <yeah. laughs> but there is so much pressure when you're thinking about eternal partnership. And it's amazing to think about finding, you know, your children and your parents and your siblings, your your family unit are intended to be people who are going to bring out the best in you. And that's so beautiful. And I think an ideal marriage is finding somebody who who does that for you also, and then exactly. that, there's that eternal element that just it, like kicks things up a notch. <laughs> exactly. So, you, <laughs> but I mean, it's a beautiful thing as well because mm-hmm. I mean, love is eternal for us, and I think that that's almost kind of romantic, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about soulmates, and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily tied to religion, but a lot of people talk about you know the idea that you were meant to be together. And I know a lot of religions yeah. have. Uh, you know, there's that that word that pops up on TV every once and again, beshert, which is like meant to be, you know, mm-hmm. like you're you're predestined to meet this certain person who you're going to spend your life with. And yeah, yeah, there's definitely that eternal and otherworldly element that you can see in marriage and in other religions. And, and I think also just in in everyday society, it's definitely something mm-hmm. people talk about. But right. You know, family is so valued and marriage is really viewed as a part of that. So mm-hmm. when you were growing up, what like what is the approach to dating? How does that become part of your life? You know, and that that's kind of the funny part of the LDS world, because, you know, we are a little bit different than I think a lot of mainstream in some ways, because mm-hmm. Like other Christian sects, like we do not have sex till we're married. We also do not drink and we, you know, want to keep a clean and moral life. And so our dating is really kind of focusing on, again, developing meaningful relationships by, you know, going out on, you know, casual dates, getting to know tons of people. And so growing up, you know, it was kind of hard for me because, you know, a lot of LDS members are on the West Coast and in other states. And so growing up in Washington, D.C., it was a little difficult for me to find someone 
within my own faith. And so dating was a little bit hard for me. You know, I dated people that were outside of my faith and they were wonderful people, but um, I obviously wanted to um, be married in the temple, which Mm -hmm. is something that I think we'll talk about later. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a pressure in some ways to kind of find your eternal companion, if you will. And that is something that a lot of people work towards. And it is part of their life mission on top of getting an education and going to college and, you know, kind of making something of yourself in this life. It's always in the back of your mind as an LDS member, especially as a young person in the church to ultimately find the person that you're going to marry. And so that kind of creates a lot of pressure and it kind of shifts a little bit of your focus in life. Sometimes Um, I went to um, Brigham Young University, Idaho, Uh which was a complete shocker, like complete (laughs) shocker, because I went from Washington, D.C. to potato fields of Idaho and I didn't visit the campus before. Before, I just kind of went crazy and I was just like, you know, let's experience something new. And it was definitely something new. Yeah. <laughs> but the, for the first time in my life, I was heavily around the LDS culture and it was uh, very tied to finding your eternal companion. But not only that, but trying to make yourself the type of person that that other person would want to marry. So making sure that you're developing the right skills and developing yourself so you're confident enough to be in a healthy marriage and things like that. But there was definitely more discussions, you know, you would go to kind of devotionals and conferences and, you know, marriage was always a topic that was brought up, especially yeah. if you're in that bracket of, you know, 18 oh, to totally. Right. <laughs> I mean, in my preparation for this episode, I was mm-hmm. really blown away. That was something I saw that like, especially at this specific university. I mean, it's like Mm -hmm. you get your degree and you get your spouse. (laughs) Like there's a major thing. I mean, BYU Idaho is known for BYU I do. So it's kind of, it's kind of a funny thing, but you know, and then if you don't get married, you know, outside of college, people start to panic like, Oh no, my opportunities to meet people is diminished. Oh no. But you know, and that's something that I also, along with talking about divorce in my faith, I also want to talk about, you know, healthy expectations within dating and not putting so much pressure and putting your self value in finding someone because there's also coming with that pressure, you know, I think a lot of the times people don't find someone in that time slot or people maybe never get married. And I think sometimes, you know, people put this like pressure and this value in, you know, that identity of being something to someone else. And that is also kind of an unhealthy thing that I like to talk about in my blog posts and stuff, because you're valued at any, any relationship status that you find yourself in this life, whether that's married, divorced, single. And sometimes in the LDS faith, there's so much of a push to get married and to find someone that sometimes we lose that opportunity of understanding that you're in this life, you're basically, you know, here to meet your make or not your match. Well, and I I think this is one of the topics that you write super beautifully about. I mean, I really loved, I think we'll probably get to it a little bit later in the interview, but you wrote a lot about what it means to be independent and, and how being single gives you an opportunity to really enjoy that and, and then be a better partner because of it. And, uh, We'll, we'll definitely get back to that because I, I just love the way that you talk about it. Oh. Um, so I want to know, you know, you told us a little bit about how dating and family and marriage are values that you're, you're really taught about in your community growing up and it's super central to all parts of life. And I'm wondering if you can remember what you 
were taught about divorce growing up or what you thought about divorce growing up? You know, again, my parents, I love my parents. I, I honestly was very blessed to grow up in the family that I was um, in. And, uh, you know, they were always very accepting and they still are very accepting people no matter where they are in their life, you know, where the people are in their lives. And as my individual family um, and immediate family goes into it, they were always just very accepting that, you know, sometimes things happen to people and it's out of their control. And so you love them anyways. And so, you know, within my family unit, there was always an acceptance and a love no matter what happens to people. And, you know, within the community, I honestly didn't really know a lot of people that had gotten divorced growing up, at least, you know, it seems Mm -hmm. as though lately, divorce is happening more often within the faith, you know, within the past few months, I've had a couple friends that are separating from their husbands. And so it's, it's kind of a new topic that I feel at least I'm being exposed to, but growing up, I mean, again, it, it was very positive, but I didn't feel like it was as frequent or it was as talked about. Right. I think one of the things that that I've learned from your writing is that there's even a stigma about being single. And so mm-hmm. it seems like maybe that was more the fear than needing a divorce or getting a divorce that right. you're just like moving forward towards marriage. I came yeah. across a, a letter that a student had written sort of jokingly to a, mm-hmm. I guess he was a dean at Brigham Young, I'm not sure. Talking about how I'm about to finish my degree and I haven't met my spouse. What am I going to (laughs) do? There are so many memes and jokes on Instagram and social media that make fun of that cultural aspect. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that that I've really, I've been thinking a lot about since you and I have started Mm -hmm. talking about all of this is um, how this really is is a reflection of our society as a whole. You know, in in a religious community, you're you're kind of living by the same set of rules and and there's consensus on, you know, 90% of the things that you deal with in your daily life. So maybe it's easier to see in a religious community, but I think a lot of what we're talking about is something that anybody can relate to. You know, there is a stigma about mm-hmm. being single and being single can be fun, but a lot of people shame you for being single or just feel sorry for you. Yeah, they're like, grow up already, you know, yeah, yeah. move on with your life, you know. <laughs> right, right. Or um, like there's something wrong with you if you're not married by a certain age. Like that's not, mm-hmm. that is not church specific. <laughs> no, no, that is like honestly humanity, if you will. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's maybe it's easier to see in a religious community how we're pushing mm-hmm. a certain way of life on people. It's not unique to it. I'm so right. grateful that you're you're willing to talk about this with us. And I really want to make that connection because I I think people can relate to it maybe more than they would initially expect, but also to thank you again for Mm -hmm. opening up and talking about it with us because I know it's, it's, you know, it's something so special and so Mm -hmm. sacred to you. So, okay. So you met your ex-husband when you were in college. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit Mm -hmm. about how you met, how you got married and and then sort of how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, of course. Um, So we actually met the first day of school, believe it or not. (laughs) He was also from Virginia, which is where I grew up. And so there was a kind of instant comfort because we both didn't know anyone in Idaho. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we have two Virginians in Idaho. You know, we instantly became very close friends. And after dating a lot of non-ideal people and people that were not the nicest, you know, he was always just there. And he was always a kind 
person always ended up being my best friend. And so after four years of knowing each other and after dating other people, it just almost hit me like a two by four, like Sydney, he's right here. Hello. Yeah. And like how many memes are there saying, I just want to marry my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. And so I thought I was making the right decision with that mindset. And, you know, a lot of the time there's also a joke within LDS culture that you get married after knowing someone for four months, you know, because you're just excited about getting married. And, you know, I was never going to be that person because Mm -hmm. I'm a very calculated and thoughtful person. And so I'm After knowing him for about four years, I figured, you know, I know this person and I feel comfortable with him. And so we dated for six months, you know, romantically outside of being friends for four years and having lots of intimate conversations about life and goals and things that really kind of mattered. You know, I thought that I was making the right decision. And so August of 2011, I thought that kind of my dreams were kind of coming true because growing up, you drew tons of pictures of you know, the temple and you're always, you know, you sing songs about like, I hope to go there one day. And, you know, there's a beautiful life goal that is kind of painted out for you. And as a girl, like you're just looking forward to the day that you're going to find this wonderful man that's going to be your husband for time and all of eternity. And, you know, in that year, I thought my dreams came true. And quickly, I learned that he was not the person that I thought he was. Mm -hmm. And we had lots of issues that, you know, included neglect and emotional abuse and other things that were kind of going on. And I want to stay positive, so we won't go into all those details. But, you know, after three years of really trying and keeping Heavenly Father and God close, I ultimately made the decision that, you know, Christ didn't die for me to live a mediocre life, and I'm supposed to be living up to my potential. And in this relationship and with someone who is supposed to be helping me on that journey to get back to heaven and be the person that I was made to be, you know, I'm not being that person. And ultimately, he gave up on our marriage and we ended it. And I had peace knowing that I made every step along the way, whether that was having meaningful discussions to going to get therapy and, you know, trying different avenues to kind of really, you know, exhaust every resource I could. I I had peace knowing that I made the right decision because I did everything that I possibly could to save my marriage. And, you know, I moved back to Washington, D.C., and I ended up working in the Senate and started an independent life in the press there. Amazing. Yeah, it was really kind of a fun time. A lot of late nights, if you can imagine. <laughs> sure. But yeah. yeah, but you know, I it was a very hard time in my life because, you know, again, in the church, we value family relationships so much and rightly so that, you know, many people didn't know how to deal with my divorce because it kind of seemed incongruent with the foundation of the church and which is family. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had a hard time kind of reconnecting with my faith, knowing that, you know, I'm going to be divorced. And I quickly learned That's that. So hard. Yeah. And it was just, it was kind of hard. You know, again, my parents were supportive and my immediate family and extended family. And a lot of my friends were very supportive. Mm-hmm. So I was blessed in that regard. But you know, it was kind of an awkward place to be because I immediately found that I was just going to have a very different experience than a lot of people right. that I knew. And, and and not just people that you knew. I mean, you had a different experience than you were raised to expect, which is right. devastating and disappointing. But, you know, at Worthy, obviously, we love marriage and we love happy couples. Yeah. But we, we also, <laughs> we love individuals and you are worthy of a happy life and a healthy marriage. And it's just, you know, it takes a lot of courage to be able to say, 
this situation is not worthy of me and I deserve better. And I'm so happy for you that it ended in a peaceful way. And, you know, you are, you are really on to the next uh, chapter and, and sort of, I'm yeah. sure that like <laughs> getting married now, it's, it's a lot of closure on, on what must have been a very painful time for you. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what your divorce experience was like and the way that your community reacted to it and changes that have been going on in the LDS faith surrounding divorce, surrounding the stigma of being single, and what we see reflected in our society from that. So we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. Okay, we are back with Sydney, and we were just talking about how you ended your first marriage and a little bit about what that experience was like for you. And in the first half of the episode, you mentioned the way that you legally become married wherever you're living, but you also have different religious ceremonies and rituals that make you married in the church. So tell us a little bit about what it means to get divorced in the church and how that happens. Right. So um, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, not only do you get civilly married, because obviously we want to appease the laws of the land, Mm -hmm. um, because obviously, duh, (laughs) but (laughs) we also take it a step further and we kind of have like a spiritual eternal marriage within our temples. And we have temples all over the world. And the one in Washington, D.C., people always, you know, see on the highway because we have wonderful real estate where you can see it right as you're driving into the city and it's beautiful. And so you get married there and you are sealed to your spouse and to your eventual family or children that you will have within that marriage. And so that is something that is very sacred to us. And it's something that, again, kind of seals that kind of eternal bound to the family that you create here in this life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, you know, getting divorced and breaking such a sacred thing, again, that kind of is a scary thing that I think a lot of people don't understand or they're nervous in thinking or entertaining the idea of that because it is such a incongruent idea with the foundation of the church, which again is family. Right. And also, I mean, eternity and sealed relationships, that's heavy stuff. I mean, it's (laughs) can be overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a lot like the Catholic Church. It's just not something you typically do, right? right? You know, it's, you know, we really do try to marry for eternity. And, you know, unfortunately, my eternity was not going to be forever this time. And, you know, luckily, I had other friends who had been divorced in other faiths. And so mm-hmm. they were a resource to me during that time. But, you know, to get a divorce in the LDS faith, you know, you have to cancel that ceiling. So, you know, you are no longer sealed to that person for time and eternity. But from that, like you were, again, kind of put back into the church community, you know, as a single person and as a divorced person. And again, that kind of is a little bit of a rough patch. Yeah. So 
you and I spoke a little bit before about this waiting period. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of an introduction to what this waiting period, this is a spoiler alert, but what the waiting period was (laughs) and sort of its history and, and why it's no longer part of your community. Yeah. So again, you know, I think like a lot of new ideas and trends, you know, divorce is not typically something, you know, that was as mainstream as it is now, or it's as accepted, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are a lot of, you know, policies and things that we're in with within the LDS faith and within the LDS culture that I think were sometimes a little bit of a hard black mark for people that were divorced because, you know, you are still a faithful member of the church, but there was a time, and I don't necessarily know the actual date of when this became, but for years, single men older than 30 and Latter-day Saints who had been divorced within the previous five years were banned from officiating in some temple rituals and then also volunteering. There was kind of no official reason that was ever given for the now lifted prohibition, but that was something that was kind of hard for a lot of my friends who also saw themselves as a LDS divorced person. And I even felt that within myself, you know, because you know, when you go through divorce, you know, like you said, a lot of people cling to their faiths and their religious Mm -hmm. communities for support. And so um, when there are policies in place like this, it kind of denied people the chance to kind of have that spiritual comfort in a place where you're supposed to feel God's love. And so um, I know a lot of friends and even myself at times, I kind of felt in some ways marginalized. And for some people, that was something that kind of changed their path within the LDS faith and within Christianity. But, you know, for me, I decided to not be offended by that because at the end of the day, you know, I I believe in my faith and I believe that God loves me no matter what. And so as a church, we have really progressed towards doing away with Uh, I guess, banning statements like that. And again, I don't necessarily believe that that was something that was meant to be hurtful. Sure. No, of course it wasn't. You know, there's there's interpretation and stuff. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me about this is, you know, we hear women talk about how maybe like the other moms at school kind of (laughs) don't let them volunteer, don't let them around their husbands or like terrible, terrible things. And, and, I think a lot of people can feel shunned in a lot of different ways after divorce mm-hmm. and and it takes a while for people to maybe give them the opportunity to be seen as just a person who's got stuff going right. on. So when when was this lifted? I think it was either this year or last year. So it's a, it's very new. Yeah, and so again, you know, the church has really progressed to addressing this issue which like I hope that I am a kind of sounding voice to the changes and the positive changes that are needing to be created. I mean, first of all, yes, obviously. That's like <laughs> you you for sure are. I imagine that you are the voice about this in your community. Totally. And I I, I mean, what did it mean for you when they when they decided to do away with it? You know, I- It brought me a lot of peace. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved the going to the temple when I was married. I went every week and it was a very important part of my life. And, you know, after divorce, it kind of became a place of sadness because it reminded me of my failures, quote unquote. And so I think for a lot of people like me, it was a place, you know, I think, I think a lot of people kind of see places that remind them of their kind of 
you know, failures or their sadnesses. Or their perceived shortcomings, I think, is a yeah. a healthier way for us to say it, for you to hear yeah. it and for our listeners to hear it also. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so it was kind of a hard place for me. And there were, you know, some boundaries within my heart that kind of made it hard right. for me to want to go there again. And so when, you know, a ban, quote unquote, like this was put in place, it was kind of hurtful to me because I was just like, you know, like I, I kind of want to make, you know, the efforts to rebuild that relationship. So when I heard that I could be a volunteer and to spend time there, it was wonderful because not just for me, because I'm a strong enough person to, you know, roll with things. But for others, I was happy that this was not going to be something that was going to hurt their testimony. And it was something that is not going to leave that negative black mark on their spirit that like hurt them and not and made them kind of right push away from the church thinking that there wasn't a place for them because I think like any faith you know I think when tragedy happens I think it's easy for us to kind of blame a unknown god or an unseen god mm-hmm. on why you know mm-hmm. and we look for reasons to kind of push the spirituality and the religion away from tragedy but you know I I am glad to know that this is one less thing that people don't need to feel or to work through right. in their healing process And so I was thrilled to know that that's something that is, again, a a positive step towards reaching out to the divorced community. Yeah. I think, you know, just echoing what you were saying, I think it's something that is one of the most positive forces in your life, your religious community. And when it becomes a negative experience, it's very difficult. So I'm happy for you that that's happening. And I think it is just such a beautiful reflection of what's going on in your community that Mm -hmm. that change was made. And I'm hoping that you can tell us a little bit about sort of like what what the leaders of the LDS faith are are saying today about divorce. And I know you've mentioned there's a a husband and wife who have talked about it, right? Yes. So for a while, I was very frustrated because I felt like I was the only one, which is very egocentric of me to say. But, <laughs> you know, I, I really wanted people to start talking about it because this is something that if you don't talk about it within your religious faith, then where are people turning? Or, you know, where are they looking for answers? Where are they going to find that support? And so, you know, I wanted people to know that there was a safe place for them, that they belong in no matter what happens to them. Divorce is what happens to you. It's not who you are. And we repeat that one time just in case there's someone listening who really needs to hear it. <laughs> Divorce is sometimes what happens to you. It's not who you are. Okay. You know, thank you. <laughs> and I mean, but but it's true, you know, and I think sometimes yeah. we carry around that scarlet letter, you know, and we, we're trying to find those answers. And, you know, I, I work in advertising and marketing right now, and I truly believe that people want to see themselves reflected in the materials and in the content that they consume. And so as, you know, an LDS member, the church is very central to your everyday life. It's not a Sunday only, you know, church. It is a right. everyday choice to live the values and the, the things that we believe. And so when that is mm-hmm. so central to your life, life, you know, when you don't see yourself reflected in a lot of the materials, it can be hard to feel connected to the community. And so for a while, there were not a lot of content within, you know, magazines and publications or even in general conference, which is a conference that we have twice a year that kind of gives us you know, positive messaging and things to think about during the year. And I'm really, really excited to see that within the LDS faith, there is a change to talk about some of the issues because for a while, 
you know, we had, you know, resources for substance abuse, pornography addiction, you know, and, but yet we didn't have resources, you know, for more mainstream problems like single parenting or divorce. And so Mm -hmm. to hear President Uchtdorf or Elder Uchtdorf now, who is one of our church leaders, he, you know, him and his wife gave a, um, a devotional to um, LDS youth and they address, you know, some of you who are, you know, divorced, our hearts reach out to you and they mentioned us in the community. And so when even like little things like that, it's, it's good to know that we're there. Yeah. I mean, it's acknowledgement. It is. It means a lot. Yeah. You know, and I am really touched. My aunt actually just texted me this past week in one of our magazines in the faith that we have. They talked about divorce. And so there, there's a new trend to talk about some of these issues that a lot of good members of the faith kind of see themselves in. And so I'm really kind of stoked to kind of see this positive change because, again, Things like this, they need resources. You know, the Holmes Race Stress Inventory Report says that divorce is like the second most stressful life event, like with the death of a spouse being like the most stressful. Mm-hmm. And so for like those experiences like divorce, they need a lot of support from other people to Absolutely. help them manage kind of those high levels of stress. Right. And so, you know, I am really excited to know that there's resources for people, you know, that are going through this. Right. Well, I think, you know, it appears at least to me who's somebody outside of your community that you are one of those voices that people I'm sure are turning to. I want to hear a little bit about how you made the decision to write your book and and what kinds of things you feel like you've been able to do for your community to to yeah. further these conversations and make it more a part of what life in the LDS faith can be. Right. You know, again, I appreciate you guys having me on here because I think, again, this is just another wonderful resource for people in and out of my faith to hear, you know, positive messages that they're okay. And so I love what what you guys are doing this and I'm grateful for you guys having me on here, you know. Weirdly enough, my book came about to be was, you know, as I was going through the healing process, I went to therapy six months after my divorce to kind of help me rebuild some of my self-worth problems and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the things that I kind of was broken down to. And, you know, I, I started journaling. I, I'm a writer by trade. You know, I'm in marketing and I, I write content for businesses. And so writing is kind of a big part of my life and it helps me organize my thoughts. I'm not as affluent and I'm not as um, extravagant in my speech as I am with my writing. And I wish I could connect. I the think two. you're, you're very good at both. Well, thank you. You're kind. But again, you know, I I feel a little bit more self-conscious speaking because I don't feel like it comes off as eloquently as I can think it in my mind. But, you know, and so I started journaling to kind of work through some of the very complicated feelings I was feeling with redefining my relationship with God and with the temple and with my community and with my friends and even my family. Because, you know, my parents were also married at 20 and their marriage flourished and they were able to work through things. And so I even had a very different experience than my parents could really support because mm-hmm. they don't really know, you know, they were kind they of relate. Like us, but they couldn't necessarily a hundred percent relate. And so it was a, uh, I kind of had to do a lot of that healing and growth on my own. And so I wrote short journal entries on, you know, scriptures or quotes or things that I, I found helpful. And I kind of expounded on why they were. And, you know, I, I put them up on a blog, just a secret blog up on the internet and people started responding to it surprisingly enough and uh-huh. you were like this is really helpful thank you and so I started getting more and more of these comments that must have felt so good 
Yeah, I mean, it, it helps you kind of, you know, I think, again, I think sometimes when we go through tragedy, I think we sometimes focus so much on ourselves. And I found mm-hmm. that service and helping other people really, again, was another thing on top of journaling that kind of helped me get through this process. And so knowing that my words and my experiences were helping other people feel less alone and feeling validated was a, it was a wonderful blessing in both my healing, but also just knowing that, you know, I was helping someone else. And I ultimately came up with the idea of, you know, this could be a short devotional book. (laughs) So I put it together and had a bunch of people read it beforehand and I had it edited and changed. And, you know, I have a very talented artist friend who did the cover and it just was even that more intimate to have her do it as well, you know, to have someone I love be a part of that process as well. And, you know, it it was kind of funny. Weirdly enough, I went to uh, Deseret Industries, which was a book publishing company that is heavily used within the LDS faith. And Mm -hmm. they originally said, yes, we need this. We've never written a book on divorce. This is so wonderful. But five months later, after going through four edits, they said, you know, we don't have a place for this. Oh, wow. And I I was devastated because I just like, you know, I, I can do a lot on my own, but I, you know, I'd love to have the audience and not because I want to be famous myself, but I want the word to be out to the community. You, there's, there are people who need to hear what you say in this there, book. Yeah, yeah. It's not about me anymore. It's, a, mm-hmm. it, I genuinely want to create positive social change within my community. Mm-hmm. And so I was devastated that they did not publish my book. And so I just decided, you know what, Sydney, get your bootstraps up, pull them on up. And like, you need to, you need to do this regardless. And so I decided just to heavily work on my blog and to heavily work on my social media accounts and just published the book on Amazon. And, you know, it's done pretty well. And everyone that has read it has loved it. Yeah. I've read pieces of it. And I, I just think it's such an amazing thing that that you've done for your community. And, you know, obviously, we get some pieces of it here on this episode, but I really recommend it, especially to people from this community. But, you know, as we were saying before, there's just so much overlap. And I think a lot of the things that that are particular to the church help you see things in a different way that that maybe you are experiencing in our secular society mm-hmm. and other religious communities as well. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that you say that because I, I found that my friends who were not LDS found that the book was just helpful for people going through any type of transition. They said, you know, you wrote it in a way that I didn't feel like you were shoving religion down my throat, but like you had scriptures from the Bible and the Book of Mormon and just people that were influential. And you put it in a place that was very applicable to not only divorce, but probably, you know, any type of hard transition in life. And they found it very helpful. And so again, you know, um, the hardbound book is going to be coming out next year. I only have an ebook right now, but again, I, I just, I felt extremely blessed that I had the opportunity. And, you know, again, I feel very blessed that it's helping people. I get at least five emails every week from people within the faith or out of the faith saying, wow. you know, I read your book. I, I read this post today. Thank you. I really needed it. And I, what you're doing, we need to hear more things like this. I've, I've, I've had a hard time finding materials to help me support through some of these complex feelings. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. This means the world to me. And, you know, my goal at the end of the day is again, like I said, I want people to know there's a place for them after divorce. Right. You know, God loves you. The community loves you. People love you. And 
you know, divorce doesn't need to be a dirty D word and it doesn't need to be, you don't, you're not a dented can, you know, you are a individual that is going through something that is only going to make you stronger and better. And I want people to know that because I had a lot of friends that chose to say that there isn't a place for me and they kind of, you know, and again, I'm not going to judge them on their reasons why, because I think everyone deserves to have their own healing process, whether that's staying in faith or not that's perfectly great for them. But those that are wanting to keep spirituality in their life, I want them to know that they are still welcome and that they are loved. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, I think there's something so magical about the idea that this was something that you really started for yourself and it was part of your healing and it has become something that's helping other people heal. And I I hope that, you know, that feels like, the blessing that it is. That's just such yeah. an amazing thing to have as part of your life and you're helping so many people. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you were able to come on our podcast to share some of your story and we'll definitely link to your channels and to where people can get the the ebook on Amazon at worthy.com slash podcast. You'll be able to find all of those links. Unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I really wanted to read this little piece that you wrote about independence. You know, this was something that you you wrote in a piece about being single and about, you know, enjoying your youth and um, (laughs) sort of like life before marriage and and Mm -hmm. ways to grow and things to enjoy. So I'm going to read a little bit. Independence is having control of your thoughts and heart, taking responsibility for who and what you want to become in life. It is having an unshakable vision for the person you want to become and the things you want to accomplish in life. Independence is being your own dang rock of stability and not letting the opinions of others change that. I have seen many young married people feel lost in their marriages, parenthood roles, and careers because they didn't have a strong sense of self-worth and stability. You know your timeline, you know yourself, but if you question it, maybe you need more time before marriage. I just think this is like some of the best advice in and outside of a religious community. It's just, it's really, it's wisdom. I think it's also not just about age. I mean, being able to stand in your worth, I think, does set you up for a healthy relationship. So this is not something that you you grew up learning in your community. Is that right? You know, yes, in some ways, we believe, <laughs> you know, yes and no, right? You know, mm-hmm. our faith really wants you to live up to your potential. They talk about individual worth and that the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. And so at the end of the day, did I ever have self-esteem problems or self-worth problems? No, because at the end of the day, I knew whose I was, which was God's. And Mm -hmm. that was an unshakable role that I knew that I was, that I was a beloved daughter of God. But I, I, I think that obviously my experience made my desire for independence that much stronger. And it really, again, my whole experience, do I wish that I had to go through and learn these things through a nasty, sad divorce and having to rebuild my life from, you know, ground level? No. But, you know, people always ask, well, you know, would you ever like just wish you just didn't have to go through that? And at the end of the day, no. You know, I... Right. I I really want people to know that like they should be grateful for the opportunity to shed themselves of like the past and radiating the opportunity to restore themselves. We're worthy of every positive thing that we can have in this life. We're worthy of that. And 
you know, I think that when it comes to having a worthy marriage and a worthy self-esteem, it comes from understanding yourself, what you need and putting the time in so you can be that partner to someone else and be as sure of who you are. So then you're not kind of finding yourself in that relationship. And, you know, I think the best gift that you can kind of give yourself is building the courage to know that you deserve better and learning to accept and re-teach yes. yourself that concept. Because I think with any tragedy or with any hardship, I think courage is hard. It's hard to move on. It's hard to say, you know, this happened, but I'm going to be better than this. I'm, I'm going to grow from this. And so having that courage is the best gift that you can give. And I think that comes from owning your independence and understanding that you can be whatever you want to be. And as cliche as that sounds, I really do believe that healing comes and the morning comes and things do get better. I think you are providing a lot of people with the courage that you're talking about that can really make a difference in people's lives as yeah. <laughs> as they're rebuilding, as they're embracing a fresh start. And I, th- I really just think it's it's really amazing. And it's something that can inform, you know, those of us who are, are members of other religious communities and, and really everyone in, in their own daily life that being able to connect with that courage is just a remarkable thing. And and I hope that you feel amazing about the role that you play in people's lives and and helping them find their courage. So with that, very warm wishes for a beautiful wedding day. And (laughs) we're very excited for you. And and, um, hopefully we'll, we'll have more of you in our worthy community because your your voice is so special and what you're doing is really really remarkable so thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us thank you it was a great time (laughs) (laughs) thanks again to sydney for joining us and to all of you for listening next week nicole amatura will be back you guys have listened to her episode about it being okay to want a divorce like we paid you to listen to it so we brought her back as soon as we could We love her as much as you guys do, and this episode is all about how to attract love that is worthy of you. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more.